Welcome to A Great Big City News, episode 53. Today, the top stories of 2019. Hi, I'm Trace Gilton, founder of A Great Big City. And Happy New Year! Today we'll be taking a look at the top stories as rated by our links gathering robot at a great big city. For each month of 2019, we'll be looking back at the top rated story for that month, talking a bit about the issues it brought up, and checking in to see if there's any news that's been followed up on since the story was first published. You may not know that a great big city collects a variety of links from across the internet 24 hours a day, then checks to see if they're relevant to New York City, analyzes the topics that are discussed in the story, and then ranks each story to power our links page at agreatbigcity.com links. Taking that same idea and expanding it out past hourly top stories, here are the top stories about New York City for each month of 2019. In January 2019, the top-ranked story was a photo gallery from the 2019 Women's March. Not quite as large as the original 2017 Women's March, but still impactful enough to earn the highest-rated news story from January. The third Women's March was actually two marches, after one had split away from the original organizing committee. Accusations of anti-Semitism against the organizers of the National March led local organizations to split off from the group based in Washington, D.C., and on January 19th, both an independent group, the Women's March Alliance, and the original national group held simultaneous protest marches, one on the Upper West Side and one in downtown Manhattan at Foley Square. For 2020, the Women's March Alliance plans to march near Columbus Circle, but has not yet released a route for the march and the official, local chapter of the National Women's March plans a rally in Foley Square. Both events are scheduled for January 18th, 2020. For February 2019, the top story of the month was a police detective killed by friendly fire during a chaotic robbery at a T-Mobile store in Richmond Hill, Queens. This was the first NYPD officer killed in the line of duty in nearly two years. The death of Detective Brian Simonson brought increased focus to the case and revealed the many strange details of what would have been a typical store robbery. Most striking was the revelation that, although a bystander correctly told police that the man was robbing the store with a gun and forcing employees into a back room, in the aftermath of the police response and the shooting of the suspect, The gun was found to have been a fake, and Detective Simonson had been accidentally shot and killed by his fellow police officers. When the suspect emerged from the back room of the T-Mobile store holding the realistic gun, officers retreated back outside, but the suspect not only raised the gun but made movements as if he were firing it at officers. The seven officers at the scene then fired 42 shots within 11 seconds, striking the suspect eight times and hitting two officers. A second suspect, who had served as a lookout during the robbery, was captured several days later. Sergeant Matthew Gorman, who was also one of the first to respond to the robbery, was hit in the hip by shots fired by other officers and survived his injuries. In an interview with local news site The City in April 2019, 
The suspect in the robbery said he was attempting to commit suicide by cop and he expressed that he wanted to tell the family of Detective Simons and how sorry he was. Although more recently, speaking to the New York Post from Rikers Island while awaiting trial, he stated that the robbery was meant as a prank and that he shouldn't be held responsible for the shootings of the officers. Although Detective Simonson's death had been the first NYPD death in almost two years, tragedy would strike again in September 2019, when Detective Brian Mulkeen was accidentally shot and killed by fellow NYPD officers during a struggle with a suspect at the Edenwald NYCHA houses in the Bronx. Top story for March 2019 was the congestion pricing plan. In a story in Cranes, New York, titled Manhattan Drivers Near New Era that may include $11.52 tolls. The $11.52 price was taken from an earlier study on congestion pricing, and although the final toll price to charge vehicles entering Manhattan south of 60th Street hasn't been decided on yet, a prior study in 2017 by a state-appointed task force called for the $11.52 toll which is now being used as a baseline for what to expect in 2021. The congestion pricing plan would go on to pass as part of the state budget on April 1, 2019, despite the pricing not yet being finalized. Under the current plan, pricing and enforcement systems will be studied throughout 2020 and announced at the end of the year. With details still up in the air, the earliest that the congestion pricing could take effect would be 2021, but it remains to be seen how many legal challenges the various parts of the system will face, including last-minute lawsuits similar to those that delayed the 14th Street busway for three months before it could take effect. When congestion pricing does come to the city, the funds will be used to improve the entire MTA system and install bus and bike lanes citywide. If the timeline holds true, New York will become the first city in the United States to implement congestion pricing, following world cities like Singapore, London, and Stockholm. In April 2019, tolls were still on the mind of people clicking on news stories, and that made another story from Cranes, New York, take the top spot. Toll hike makes Verrazano Narrows Bridge the most expensive in the country. While the congestion pricing plan made headlines in March 2019, another toll jumped to the spotlight when the Verrazano Bridge became the most expensive toll bridge in the country. Depending on discounts and payment methods, you may pay a variety of prices to cross the bridge, but the most expensive crossing, a Staten Island-bound non-Easy Pass trip, increased to $19 on April 1, 2019, increasing $2 over the previous year. If you're looking to cross the bridge on a budget, you can get a discount for using Easy Pass, which will bring the price down to $12.24. And if you're a Staten Island resident, you can further chop away at the price by showing proof of residency on your vehicle's registration to get a $5.50 price. Or if three or more people can carpool together in a Staten Island registered vehicle, you can drop the price to $3.40. The MTA maintained bridge had daily traffic of more than 202,000 daily crossings in 2016, down from an all-time high of 219,000 in 2001. And in 2017, tolls on the bridge totaled about $417 million per year. In May 2019, 
with May the 1st traditionally being the one day in New York City when all leases expired citywide, it's no surprise that the top story for May was about rental prices. Real estate site StreetEasy outlined their report in which housing sales were dropping while the rental market was growing, especially in Brooklyn and Queens. StreetEasy saw the biggest rental growth in the most expensive neighborhoods, which they theorized may be because people who want to live in those desirable neighborhoods are more willing to rent, as sales prices have been increasing three times more quickly than rentals. Given the different rates of price increases between rentals and sales, an expensive rental may still be the smartest choice once all the costs of owning an apartment are factored in. Even with Amazon canceling plans to move to Long Island City, that neighborhood remained in the greatest demand in Queens, with Dumbo taking the priciest spot in Brooklyn. Although May 1st is no longer the city's official moving day, the middle of the summer is still a difficult time to change apartments, so if you've been in the city long enough to get a handle of things and you're looking for a new place, consider trudging through the snow-filled streets in the winter, when the lower number of renters means that you'll have more bargaining power when signing a new lease. For June 2019, like I said, during the summer, the city's mind turns toward real estate. And for June 2019, real estate site Mansion Global looked at data from real estate brokerages Douglas Element and City Habitats focused on the high-end rentals in the city. Like the Street Easy report from the previous month, Douglas Element found luxury rents were rising in Long Island City despite Amazon's decision not to build their second headquarters there. Long Island City will continue to grow with or without Amazon, and the new luxury buildings rising up in the former industrial neighborhood are finding tenants who are willing to make it the most expensive neighborhood in Queens. Luxury rentals in Manhattan stayed the same year over year, with the Soho and Tribeca area remaining the priciest, with a median monthly rent of $6,150 and Dumbo was the priciest in Brooklyn with a median rent of $5,100. In July 2019, as the summer moved on, the top story for July highlighted the ongoing crisis hitting yellow cab drivers who are being impacted by rideshare companies while being left with large investments in pricey taxi medallions and business expenses. The Daily News covered a letter signed by 10 Congress members from New York who asked the city council's newly formed Taxi Medallion Sale Prices Task Force to ensure assistance for taxi drivers and medallion owners who were suffering from a weakening medallion market and predatory lending. The letter came after a New York Times report on the hardships faced by taxi drivers, including mounting debt that led some drivers to suicide. The city was eyed as a source of assistance after the report showed more than a decade of artificially inflated medallion prices and the city's $855 million earned from selling medallions directly and by collecting taxes on medallion sales. After an influx of mostly unregulated rideshare companies flooded the market, prices of taxi medallions dropped, leaving medallion owners in debt on an asset that had been sold as a surefire investment. For reference, taxi medallions peaked at a price of $1 million each in 2013, but since 2018, none have sold for more than $500,000. In August 2019, 
An off-duty NYPD officer took his own life in his Queens home, becoming the ninth police officer to die by suicide in 2019. Robert Echevera was a 25-year member of the NYPD, and his death turned the conversation toward an epidemic of officer suicides that needed special attention. According to the Daily News, another officer had taken his own life just one day earlier, and four officers killed themselves in June 2019. Sadly, by October 2019, a tenth officer would die by suicide, doubling the typical rate of suicides seen among officers, and leading the city to establish confidential mental health services for NYPD members, offering free counseling and prescriptions through a partnership with New York Presbyterian Hospital. Officers interested in seeing what services the program provides can search NYPD Finest Care or call New York Presbyterian at 1-877-697-9355 and asking for information on the NYPD Finest Care program. In September 2019, we couldn't escape 2019 without one story of the subway breaking down in September certainly delivered when a Manhattan-bound C-train became stuck between stations underneath Brooklyn Heights at the High Street Brooklyn Bridge station. Thankfully, the train was nearby a station, but the 600 passengers had to be evacuated off of the disabled train, and a large FDNY response was needed when there was smoke appearing in the tunnel. Although there was some smoke in the tunnel, the cause of the stopped train seemed to have been an activation of the train's emergency brakes. And although that sounds like the same work of the chronic emergency brake puller who was arrested in 2019, this time the emergency brake was automatically activated after one of the shoes of the train that make contact with the third rail to power the train lifted off and caused sparks and smoke inside the tunnel. In order to evacuate the 600 passengers, another train was pulled up to the end of the disabled train and passengers were able to walk from one to the other and evacuate through the nearby station. Thankfully, only one person was treated for a minor injury, which was a much better outcome than if a train of 600 people had come to a jolting stop when many people could have been thrown to the ground. If you happen to find yourself crawling out of a smoke-filled subway tunnel, but your co-workers refuse to believe your story, you can submit a subway delay verification form online and receive official confirmation that you were late due to the MTA. Aside from one train evacuation, according to the MTA's own data, major incidents are slowly trending down across the entire subway system after a spike in incidents in January 2018. Subway on-time performance has also been on the rise, with Andy Byford claiming that on-time performance topped 80% for the first time in six years, a figure defined as a train arriving within five minutes of its scheduled arrival. Combining two similar stories for the next two months, in October 2019, the top story were two videos of teens being arrested in the subway, and in November 2019, the city council grills the MTA on fare evasion, homelessness, and the hiring of 500 new police officers. By the time October and November rolled around, the MTA was having a harder time in the news. For two months, the top stories were directed at policing in the subways. Two chaotic arrests caught on video in October spread across social media and formed protest in response to what people saw as unnecessarily aggressive actions by police in the subway. 
Adding to the problems raised by the videos were confusion about what the teenagers in either video were even being detained for, and the confusion was amplified by the clipped nature of the videos, only showing the police response and not the events that led to any of the teens being detained. Once it was revealed that one of the arrests was over turnstile jumping, the focus turned toward the MTA and Governor Cuomo's plan to hire 500 new police officers who would be assigned to the subway system. Critics saw the 500 officers as an unnecessary addition to pre-existing NYPD subway patrols and the MTA police force, and it was all coming at a time when the NYPD's own data showed a decrease in subway crime. During a meeting with the city council in November, the plan for the new officers was scrutinized, with questions raised on why the 500 officers, who would cost $50 million a year, were being added when the MTA was running at a deficit. The cost of the police assigned to stop fare evasion could potentially put a dent in the estimated $215 million per year lost to turnstile jumping, but the methods the MTA used to estimate those losses were also called into question in an article at AM New York as well as whether the 500 police would even be assigned to monitor fare evasion or if they were meant for general policing. The lack of any concrete plan for the 500 officers made the public and the city council skeptical. Combined with the video going viral on social media at the same time showing what people had already considered an overly aggressive police response to a possible turnstile jumper. And ending out a year of top stories, another MTA story, but one where the MTA gets some good-natured retaliation after so many critical stories in previous months. A story in AM New York talked about the MTA's new Bus Lanes Are For Buses campaign, and bus-mounted cameras took the top story spotlight for December 2019. Back in September, the MTA first started having some fun by introducing their bus-mounted traffic monitoring camera the social media campaign for the cameras gave strap hangers a chuckle, showing an animation of a bus taking a photo that actually zapped the delivery truck out of the way, sending the bus lane scoff law off into some other dimension and leaving the bus lane clear. After a 60-day trial period where warnings were mailed out, the cameras began issuing actual tickets along the M15 select bus line in December, where the cameras had previously caught 15,000 total bus lane blockages during the trial period. The first casualty was Santa and his sleigh, when the MTA showed an animation of a B-44 bus zapping Santa's sleigh out of the way after Santa left his delivery vehicle parked in the bus lane. In another winter-themed animation, the MTA shows the M-15 bus clearing snowy streets by zapping a car with an ice ray and knocking it out of the bus lane. The cameras will also come to the M14 buses to help enforce parking and stopping rules along the 14th Street busway. So that was the year in New York City news. A few quick, unscientific numbers from our database of news stories. Across all of 2019, we indexed 27,556 links to New York City stories. And of those links, the most common borough mentioned was Brooklyn, followed by the Bronx, Queens, Manhattan, and then Staten Island. The words police and NYPD appeared in 3,575 stories, and firefighting keywords like FDNY and fire appeared in 1,066 stories. 
both man and woman appeared in the top 25 most popular terms, with terms like man and boy appearing 1,739 times, and woman and girl appearing 1,058 times. And of course, if you're looking to follow along on the top New York City news, follow A Great Big City online at agreatbigcity.com and on social media at A Great Big City. A Great Big City has been running a 24-hour news feed since 2010, but the AGBC News podcast is just getting started and we need your support. A Great Big City is built on a dedication to explaining what's happening and how it fits into the larger history of New York, which means thoroughly researching every topic and avoiding clickbait headlines to provide a straightforward, honest, and factual explanation of the news. Individuals can make a monthly or one-time contribution at agreatbigcity.com support, and local businesses can have a lasting impact by supporting local news while promoting products or services directly to interested customers listening to the podcast. Visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to learn more. Park of the Day The Sherman Street Seating Area You may think of Parks Department properties as large expanses of green, but the Parks Department also oversees small areas like the seating area along Ocean Parkway near the southern tip of Prospect Park, which is little more than a seating area with some nice old shade trees standing next to the pedestrian bridge that crosses Ocean Parkway. In Parks events, now that it's the new year, you can recycle your Christmas tree at Mulchfest. The Parks Department and the Sanitation Department are ready to take that Christmas tree off your hands with locations across the city that will chop up real trees into mulch that can be spread around other trees to protect them from cold weather. You'll be able to drop off your tree at any location, and some locations you'll even be able to see the trees get chopped into mulch and be able to take some mulch home with you, either to use on your own property around a tree or plant, or to spread around a street tree in front of your building. Remember to remove all lights and ornaments before handing over your tree and schedule your trip on a Saturday if you want to see the mulch-making machine in action. Check out the list of locations citywide at nycgovparks.org and drop off your tree anytime from December 26th to January 11th. Visit one of the chipping sites on Saturdays beginning at 10 a.m. to drop off your tree and see it chomped into a bag of mulch. If you can't make it to the park, the Sanitation Department offers curbside pickup of trees from January 6th through January 17th, when you can place your tree outside with the regular trash. Real trees collected on curbside will also be made into mulch and used in parks across the city. Now let's see where our robot friend will be spending the new year on the concert calendar. Here's the AGBC concert calendar for the upcoming week. Flostradamus is playing Webster Hall on Friday, January 3rd at 9pm. Dry Reef is playing Mercury Lounge on Friday, January 3rd at 10pm. I Love the 90s with the Fresh Kids of Bel Air is playing La Poisson Rouge on Friday, January 3rd at 11pm. John Will with a Shandy is playing New Jersey Performing Arts Center on Saturday, January 4th at 8pm. Satisfaction is playing Bergen Performing Arts Center on Saturday, January 4th at 8pm. Jesse's Girl is playing La 
Poisson Rouge on Saturday, January 4th at 9 p.m. Firebeats is playing Marquee New York on Saturday, January 4th at 11 p.m. Wolfgang Gardner is playing Webster Hall on Saturday, January 4th at 11 p.m. Mikey Org and Stranger Pride are playing Mercury Lounge on Wednesday, January 8th. Motion City Soundtrack with the Sidekicks is playing Webster Hall on Wednesday, January 8th at 7 p.m. Yola is playing Music Hall of Williamsburg on Wednesday, January 8th at 8 p.m. Sima Funk is playing Webster Hall on Thursday, January 9th at 8 p.m. Afromondo Showcase is playing Sobs on Thursday, January 9th at 8 p.m. Sacrifice, Devil Master, Sadist, and Toxic Holocaust are playing Market Hotel on Friday, January 10th. Lowlands and the Soft Pack are playing Babies All Right on Friday, January 17th. Esau Procky is playing Barclays Center on Friday, January 17th. Kraus, Chapin, and the Flying Luttenbachers are playing St. Vitus Bar on Saturday, January 18th. Caroline Polacek is playing Warsaw on Saturday, January 18th. Bob Mould is playing Iridium Jazz Club on Wednesday, January 29th. Not a Surf is playing Music Hall of Williamsburg on Friday, January 31st. Cubed E3 and Dead Mouse are playing Avant Gardner on Thursday, February 6th. And Poppy is playing Brooklyn Steel on Thursday, February 6th. Thanks for listening. Find more fun things to do at a slash events. Here's something you may not have known about New York. 220 West 135th Street lost its National Historic Landmark status in 2009 when it was discovered to not have been the correct address for the home of Florence Mills. The actual home of Florence Mills was at 220 West 133rd Street, and the mistake was due to a mislabeled photo. Extreme highs and lows for this week in weather history? Back on New Year's Day in 1918, it was negative 4 degrees in the city. And on January 6th, 2007, the high temperature was 72 degrees. Weather for the week ahead is light rain throughout the week, with temperatures staying in the 30s and 40s. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at A Great Big City or email contact at agreatbigcity.com with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. Subscribe to A Great Big City News wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Player FM, or listen to each episode on the podcast pages at agreatbigcity.com slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening, and visit our podcast site to see show notes and extra links for each episode. Our intro and outro music is Start the Day by Lee Rosphere, and the concert calendar music is from jukedeck.com. Thanks for being part of a great big city.
for old land.